Blessed Christmas to you. This is Donna Otto, and we are modern homemakers. It is our joy to spend our days with you on this podcast. We provide about three podcasts a week from September through May, and then we take um, summer off to recharge and enrich and prepare for the next season of podcasting. Our goal at Modern homemakers, is to encourage you. Encourage you in all the areas that you live your life. As a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a homemaker, as a worker outside of your home. Now, some of you are all of those things, and some of you are some of those things, but it's our intention to get up and do our work by encouraging you. Our website is fabulous. It sings and dances, and I can say that because I don't have anything to do with it except by providing information and materials. There are many free resources, and there are some resources to purchase. All of my books are there. There are live, not live, videoed um programs such as one on organization. You might look into that after the first of the year. There's one on the power of the table. I talked about the table just recently. Uh, We offer a number of book suggestions. And recently we did uh, an interview with the author of Eugene Peterson's biography, A Burning in My Bones. And after the first of the year, we'll talk about that. During Advent, which begins on the last Sunday of November, typically, and runs into Christmas Day, we talk about all things Advent. The coming of Jesus, the announcement of Jesus, the people of the story. Um, we talk about all of these things. And to, in these last days that we have together, I want to talk to you about three words and how they fit into the journey of Advent. Invitation, invitation, iteration, and intimacy. Invitation, iteration, and intimacy. Location of the various most often read accounts of the Annunciation and details of the birth are often found in voices of various people who make a personal um, visit, a personal visit during the pre, uh, during the announcements of the birth of Christ and John, during the pregnancies of Elizabeth and Mary, during the birth and the days that follow. There are uh, uh, 12 names of people or groups of people that relate to it. And I believe that we've posted this, and I hope we have, and I hope you'll take some time to look at these various individuals. Now, we've talked about two of the women and a little about the third woman. So maybe I could say we talked about three of the women. That was Anna and Mary 
and Elizabeth. So they were three of these 12 voices. There was certainly Gabriel, who made this disclosure of what was about to happen. They are the angels whose voices are full of praise and adoration. They are the shepherds who have a voice of declaration of what they are going to do and how they're going to do it. And all of these individuals are introduced to us in the Gospels, mostly in Luke, a couple in Matthew, and one in John. There's Simeon, who we talked about a few days ago, was a voice of peace. Uh, there's Zacharias, who really was a voice of disbelief. Uh, he, he still was the high priest, and God used he and his wife Elizabeth, but he didn't jump on this wagon. And I sometimes wonder if Zacharias was old. I know he was aged. I don't know how old he was. But I wonder if we get the older we get, the easier it is for us to not believe. And then there was Joseph, of course, who was a voice of trust. The wise men who came, and they were voices of adoration. Herod, who came, and he was the voice of deception. And then John, John the Baptist, who Jesus says about John the Baptist, that no man will ever live, um, who is as important as the work that John was given to, John the Baptist, the precursor, the forerunner of Jesus himself. Well, God's invitation comes to us in different ways, and I want to talk about invitation today. And I pray that these three words, which we'll look at in the next three times we're together, will draw you closer to him as we continue this walk toward Advent and Christmas and Christmas Day. And for those of you who are of a liturgical church, Christmas and Christmas Tide and Epiphany, which leads us all the way into early uh, January. But these voices were all a part of the, the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. I want to read aloud to you if I can find it here. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. They opened their treasure chests. They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. One verse. That's one verse. One verse. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. One year, some years ago, I took that as my theme for the year. Uh, the Lord has led me personally, I don't think everybody has to do this, but um, during the fall of every year, I feel a connection, a conviction, a certainty that there's an area in my life that Lord, the Lord is speaking to me about or wants to speak to me more about. And so I take a concept and I create it um, for my sort of umbrella year's goal. And that year, I chose that phrase. They returned home a different way. I thought, how many places, Lord, do I go? And when I return home, I should return home a different way, a different person. It was very powerful to me, personally. So these people who I've just read, these 12 names, um, were all of the people who were part of the story, the birth. 
Well, invitation is an interesting concept. It's an interesting word. Whether you've been left off the third grade tea party list, or you've been not picked for a team, or the frat house has looked you over, or the sorority says we don't want you, but you've got another offer from another house, or you're at a church that is closed to young people or newcomers or old people. Being left out stinks. It feels terrible to be left out. There's a term in our culture which has now reached high levels and is acknowledged in the world of psychology. It's called FOMO, F-O-M-O. It's a bona fide fear, and that fear is the fear of missing out, FOMO. Have you ever had the fear of missing out? I have. Uh, I, I fully relate to, oh no. I've often said this as I've gotten older. <clears throat> a lot of groups that I was a part of, the reason I was a part of them was because I started them. <laughs> I think subliminally, I certainly wasn't conscious in those years, but as a young woman, I, I was kind of afraid. I was the odd man out for a lot of reasons. And I was afraid I would be left out altogether. But if I started something and invited people to join me, then I would be included. Do you have any idea of what God is inviting you to? Do your yeses just divert or stroke our egos? Or is your yes the growth of you and me and the church and the church collective? He is the first and great inviter. His invitations let us know that we are wanted, that we are loved, that we are named, and we are known. My husband and I were reading a bed in bed last night to each other, and actually I was reading more to him than he was to me. And I read something and he said that powerful word known. K-N-O-W, to know, but to be known. Now, I don't know how well you know yourself, but I know this about you if you're a human being and alive and well walking around on your own two feet. You want to be known. You want someone to know you, to understand you, to receive you, to accept you. And Jesus is that man. He is always inviting and initiating. He says, come, come, come and follow me. His first invitation, come and follow me. God is the great inviter, and he invites us to come and follow him. And then he invites us to abide in him, abide in him. You've probably heard me say this if you've been around for any length of time. For some years now, I've been rolling around in my head and typing things into a file about staying, the importance of staying. And it all came out of that abiding that John talks about, if you abide in me and I abide in you and we abide together and we will abiding, stay in it. Hmm. Our culture is not very staying. We don't like it, we get out. We think it's too hard, we leave it. I was with a young couple, my husband and I were with a young couple last week, and um, it came to us, they came to us with some difficulties in their marriage. And the conversation got to, well, maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe this isn't going to be something we do forever. And we 
we say what we always say, you know, one, go back to your vows. What did you say? And two, why is it you can't stay? And inevitably a young couple will say, it's so painful. It hurts so much. And we remind them that God himself said to us, in the world, you will have trouble. Where are you? Where am I? I'm in the world and I will have trouble. But then he says, but don't be afraid because I'm with you. You're going to have the trouble. Did you hear me? Isn't that a happy Thanksgiving, Christmas greeting to you? You're going to have trouble. But don't be afraid because he is with us. He is with us. Initiators are often hard to invite anywhere. Jesus is like that. We need to often pause and say, where have I not invited Jesus to go with me? What rooms in my body, in my soul, in my house have I closed off to Jesus? This room you can come in, this room you can't. This invitation I accept, this one I won't. There are decrees, degrees, not decrees, degrees of invitations. Because some invitations are more like mandates. Show up. Mary was one of those. She was invited by God through the angel. I, I know she said yes immediately. But don't you wonder... Don't you wonder what the angel was going to do, how he was going to talk her into it anyway? Because this had already been decided. And there's a part of me that uh, I feel sometimes the strength with which we offer an invitation says, you don't want to miss this. This isn't like an invitation to you want to come. No, you want to come. This is, this is what you need to do. This is good for you. This is what I want for you. And I think that was how I see Gabriel inviting Mary, and she was a very mild woman who said yes immediately. Joseph was invited by Mary's family to be her husband. Angel comes to Joseph in a dream and says, don't worry about this. Um, The immaculate conception is going to happen to the woman you're betrothed to. What an invitation. His invitations all seem to be in left field. His invitations also seemed to be responded to immediately. When he woke up, the passage says, he took her for his wife. Oh, had that dream in the nighttime? Let's get married in the morning. He did not have relations with her, and he named the child Jesus as he had been told. Joseph's invitations were complex and lengthy. He had many months to think about, retract, to be avoiding or to be annoyed with, but he did not retract. His, in the invitation that God gave him, gave him and the invitation that he accepted. Jesus' family in Bethlehem. Now, I think this is an important piece of the invitation process, and I just want to spend a minute with it. Well, maybe I'll spend a minute with it next time we're together. But Remember that Joseph had family in Bethlehem. And there are a lot of components to the Christmas story that I think we have questioned about. How did it fit together? And why did God send them to Bethlehem and then there wasn't a place for them? Don't you ever ask that question? Why would the God of the universe create all of this? Invite Mary to be the carrier of his son. Invite Joseph to follow along and go with it and all the pieces that were necessary. But then there wasn't a place in Bethlehem for them to have the birth. Mm. That's always brought some questions to me. So 
I, like you, have been repeating and repeating and repeating this story. And the next time we're together, I want to talk to you about the iteration. I think oftentimes we act like I know that. I've heard that. Don't tell me again. I don't need to go on Christmas Eve to service. I know what happens. The iteration of important things is essential. It always makes me laugh about the old joke. It's a very old joke, and I don't even think it's funny. But men tend to find it funny. And that's the groom at the altar who says, I love you. And later she says, why don't you ever say, I love you? And he says, I told you I loved you at the altar. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. (laughs) It is kind of funny, isn't it? I mean, that's how we look at this story. It's not about changing our mind. It's about doing it over and over and over again. Are you the woman who likes to have her husband say, I love you? Do you love to look at your little children and say, Mommy loves you? Do you love to tell your husband in both acts and deeds and words that you care for him, that you love him? Well, that's how much Jesus loves us. And he reiterates and reiterates. And reading the stories, the accounts of the birth and the angels and Simeon and all those 12 people I just listed is an important part of your understanding of the birth and life of Jesus Christ. So blessed Christmas to you. You have been invited, as I have been invited, to be a part of the family of God. Jesus created you in his image, and he invites you to make him the savior of your world. This is Modern Homemakers, and I am Donna Otto, still Donna Otto. And I want you to remember that the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of issuing invitations and receiving them.